This episode of the Nerd Cave Retro is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. programs and welcome back to the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and i'm derek diamond so how was your week my friend uh week was pretty good relatively uh uneventful which i guess isn't a bad thing yeah. <laughs> um started today i started working uh doing sound editing for the short film that you and i were both a part of this past mm-hmm. summer survey um, we still haven't gotten a release date yet. It depends on, you know, sound editing, the score, uh, final picture lock and all that fun stuff. So, uh, just follow survey on social media to find out all that stuff. But, uh, it's been kind of a learning experience. I've never edited audio for film before. So I've been looking up, you know, a lot of tutorials and messing around in a program that I'm kind of familiar with, but not really, which is Adobe Audition. So it, it's been a learning experience, but it, it's been fun so far. That's cool. I wish I could come over and help you guys do that because that's all the kind of stuff that I'm really interested in. It's funny because I went over to uh, Steve Wise's house last week. Uh, Steve Wise is the writer and director for the film, and we recorded what's called Foley, which is we recorded sound effects to use for the movie. And we did... <laughs> We did all kinds of cool stuff. Steve was rolling on the ground uh, to use for the fight scene. Uh, we, That's awesome. Uh, we murdered a melon to uh, take <laughs> a picture. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you what we're gonna use the sound effect for. I want to see if you could figure it out. But we we had a fun time. Oh, I think I know what it's for. I'm almost. Is it, does it involve me? I cannot confirm or deny that. <laughs> I think I know exactly <laughs> what it's for. So I can't wait to see that. When I see it on screen, I'm going to scream, Melon! <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to put a, uh, you know how if like on a TV show, someone like one of the actors passes away, they put in, in memory of, yeah. you know, whatever the actor's name is. I wanted to put in memory of the melon. <laughs> Hashtag never forget. <laughs> we should put it at the very end of the the credits in memory of the melon yep this this movie's for the melon (laughs) yes i can't wait till it comes out we'll have we'll definitely let everybody know when and where they can see it that's listening to the show right now absolutely but what about you sir it's been a good week it's been really busy man i've got so much going on lately and um yesterday uh i actually woke up kind of early yesterday uh we went to an estate sale in biloxi that um, they had some NES games. Like a bit, they put. I got this app on my phone called RealEstate.net or something like that, and it keeps track of all the. Re- uh, it's not real estate. It's um, EstateSale.net, and they tell you where all the estate sales are. And then they have like pictures. And on this one, they had like this huge Tupperware tub full of Nintendo games, like in the box, some out of the box. Most of them were um in really good shape and they still had like their uh, instruction manuals and stuff they had a huge tub of atari games so i was like 
<clears throat> all right told my wife like we're getting up early we're gonna get there and i'm gonna pick me up this entire tub of nes games i'm just i'm just gonna bring like a hundred bucks with me and i'm just gonna get this whole tub so we get there at like 7 15 in the morning and it starts at 7 30 and already there's like probably about a hundred people in front of us and wow. they were saying the people at the very front were there at like three in the morning and i look and there's these two guys that are like maybe mid 20s early 30s hovering around 30 and they just i could tell like they had the look about them i'm like i told tina i was like those two bastards right there <laughs> those two guys they're here for those video games and sure enough, it took me an hour to get in because they were only letting like 30 people in at a time. They let in 30 and then those 30 would come out. They let another 30 in and then they let a few trickle in here and there, like five at a time, 10 at a time. <clears throat> so finally we get in and I'm running through the house. I'm just like frantic. I'm like, where are these games at? Where are these games at? And I find one of the ladies that worked there and I said, excuse me, there." I saw that there was a huge box of, box of Nintendo games. She said, oh, I'm sorry. The first guys that came in, they bought the whole thing. Uh, I was just like, Tina, I'm going to buy one of these like porcelain figures and I'm going to run outside and see if those guys are here and I'm going to mug them. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was crap out uh, that's of luck with that one, man, because there was such good stuff in there. There was I, I saw so many good games in the picture that they posted and I knew I knew those guys were there for that, dude. I just I called it. I told them I was like, I could, we kind of like we were probably about you know, half a football field away, probably like 50 yards away from where we're at. And then like, I locked eyes with those two guys and I'm like, I know what you're here for. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was right. Uh, it was, she said it was the first two guys that came in, bought everything. And um, so I missed out, but I did get really lucky. We went to the flea market and I like to collect uh, vinyl too, uh vinyl records. And I found some really cool 80s stuff. I got Cinderella, <laughs> the hair metal band Cinderella. I got Motley Crue, Theater of Pain, Huey Lewis and the News Sports. And uh, what else did I get? Oh, yeah, I got Van Halen, 1984. Oh, nice. Near mint condition. Like they've never been touched. Still in the plastic. And I got them for $2 a piece. It's like that's awesome. It was a good Van Halen's one of all. my favorites. Oh yeah, you can't pass up any Van Halen if you come across it, especially <laughs> a vinyl in that good a shape. Man, these things yeah. like look. Let me let me reach back here real quick. Show you like look at this Molly Crew. Oops, <laughs> my little porcelain doggy. <laughs> like look, can you see this? Hold on, let me see if I'm it's right in the camera. Look. Yeah, let, let me make this full screen. Holy crap, that's look awesome. At that. It's still still in its wrapping and everything. Yeah, it's not even touched. Perfect, That's awesome. perfect condition, and I got it for two. Got them for two dollars a piece. It's nuts. So wow. I, yeah, I, it was a really good day at the flea market. I didn't get any games though. Uh, I did run into a guy who was putting out a bunch of, and we got there kind of early. We got there at like eight thirty in the morning. Well, no, it was probably like nine nine thirty, and they not a lot of people were even set up yet. It was weird because it was a really nice morning, and I got there, and this one guy was putting out a bunch of Game Boy games. But I happened to mention to him, I was like, well, I would get some of these, but I don't have a Game Boy. And he was like, well, I have two of them buried here somewhere. I'll dig through and look for them. <clears throat> I told him, okay, well, I'm going to go look around a bit and I'll come back. And if you have a Game Boy, I'll buy a Game Boy and I'll buy some games. 
And I came back like an hour later and he still hadn't found them yet. So I just kind of let him go. I didn't want to buy the games if I didn't have anything to play them on. You know, if I come across a Game Boy, I'll pick one up because he's always got Game Boy games. This one guy, he's there every weekend. And he's actually the guy that I got Mega Man 2 and Terminate, uh, no, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game from last year sometime. And I got him for $5 a piece. So his stuff's really cheap. But it's in really good shape because I think this guy is one of those uh, guys that auction goes to the um, auctions for like uh, what they call them storage bins and just empties out these storage bins. Sometimes he gets lucky with like old video game stuff. So he's always got good stuff. And uh, I always keep an eye out with him. So if I can come across a Game Boy, I know he'll always have good Game Boy stuff. That's awesome. You don't hear too many people who have like vintage uh, Game Boy stuff. Yeah. You know, even at stores around here, you don't you don't see Game Boy that much. Well, people really don't get rid of them. I mean, even those the you know the first run of the Game Boys. I mean, those were. I mean, think about it. The Game Boy lasted from 1999 to when was it discontinued? Like 2002, 2003. That sounds uh, about right. It was like somewhere around there, two thousand. Right around 2003, I mean, that's like you got a good 12, 13, 14 years of life out of that one product. And people don't get rid of them. So if you run across one, and and it definitely still works. I mean, those things were built to last. And um, if you find one, definitely pick one up. For sure. But, uh, but enough about that. Let's go ahead and move into the news for this week. Coming to us from RetroGamer.net, the official Dreamcast book smashes Kickstarter goal. Uh, this is something I've been looking at for quite a while. Ever since uh, a couple of years ago, Pat the NES Punk did his book, uh, The Ultimate NES Guide, that he funded on Kickstarter. And I actually saw a copy of it at our local retro game shop that I wanted to buy. Uh, I think he's coming out with another print of them really soon. And it's a really nice, like big, thick book of where he went through and they um him and a couple other people they 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 reviewed every single Nintendo game like licensed Nintendo game wow and put a, this whole book together of the ultimate guide to the NES that's what's called this the ultimate guide to the NES library uh, and this is another one I've been looking at it says if you're a fan of Sega's last throw of the dice in the console hardware market um, you'll be very pleased to know that read-only memory has been successful in funding its Sega Dreamcast Collected Works project with the goal of creating a high-quality book full of Dreamcast artwork, production sketches, screenshots, and more. The publisher was looking for 68,000 pounds, which I don't know what this is in uh, American dollars, but it's got to be somewhere around there. It has far exceeded that target with over 80,000 pounds pledged at the time of writing. Uh, if this sounds like your kind of project, books are available for a 35-pound pledge and three special editions themed around Jet Set Radio, Shinmu, and Fantasy Star Online are available for a 150-pound pledge. For more information or to make your own pledge, visit the Sega Dreamcast Collected Works Kickstarter page by clicking here. And that's in the article. Let me... Yeah, it's actually right now, it's at $121,864. Um, and for wow. about $46 is where you get the, uh, your name listed in the book as a benefactor and you get, it includes the Sega Dreamcast collected works and Kickstarter exclusive high production Shinmu bookmark. 
And that's you gotta love bookmarks. Yeah, and then ninety-two dollars, uh, you get two of the books, two of the Kickstarter exclusives. So uh, if you want to check that out, just go to Kickstarter and go to Sega Dreamcast Collected Works, and it will take you right to that page. Well, for those who are curious about the pounds to dollars ratio, it says here they were looking for 68,000 pounds. Uh, converted to dollars is $91,940. Wow, that's a lot of money, <laughs> especially that, for a that book. Is, that is... <laughs> That's quite a bit of money. Let's yeah. see. Uh, and then over 80,000 pounds was uh, contributed, which is uh, $108,164. Yeah, as of right now, it's at uh, $121,864. So it's well beyond that. Uh, and it still has 17 days to go. So this thing's probably going to double that, I'd say, probably. For sure. Least. It's pretty close to it now. And, yeah. you know, I, I never read about this story before, but it's, it's definitely interesting because the Dreamcast, like I didn't hate the Dreamcast system. I actually did own one for a period of time for the Sonic games and even Fantasy Star Online was a lot of fun. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like the Dreamcast never really got the opportunity to really succeed because the PlayStation was out. I want to say the Xbox was either out or was about to come out. Yeah, it, it, it's just kind of Sega got kind of lost in the shuffle with, yeah. you know, Sony and Microsoft coming into the game. Uh, no pun intended, but hmm. you know, the, the Sega's still, they're still doing well for themselves. I mean, they still make games. They had Sonic mania come out. They've got a, a Sonic forces coming out later this year. So Sega's still around. They're just yeah. not doing consoles anymore. I think it's best for them to, to, I don't know. Maybe one of these days, if if they can come up with a cutting edge, um, you know, a console, or come out with something that could not necessarily rival the PlayStation or Xbox, but if it comes out and it's something that's completely on its own and it stands up as well as the Switch, I think Sega would have another shot at the at the console market. But I don't know. I, I just I think Sega's better off focusing on games and you know like trying to get um you know crash bandicoot back out there get uh uh sonic back out there try to make better games so that people don't you know look that you know sonic's kind of been sullied over the last few years because of those horrible 3d world games but then you see what happens when somebody comes out with you know what do they call it the sega or, or no, the Sonic, um, the new Sonic game that came out that was Sonic Mania. Yeah, Sonic Mania that was completely, you know, done by fans. And you see what happens when you go back to what makes the game work. Like just do that, yeah. and people will flock to it. That's what they want. Yeah, it's it's interesting because. You know, I remember being excited to play the Sonic games when they were transitioned to 3D, but they just they never quite got it right. And it was Sonic Mania. It looks just like the old games with the little – the graphics are a little bit better, but yeah. the you know, even the sprites and everything look almost exactly the same. And it's – I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but I'm really excited to. And I've heard nothing but really good things about it because it, they say it brings the charm and the fun yeah. from the old games back to the modern age. Yeah, and that's all. That's what it's all about. You got to have that charm, and that, and Sonic had charm. He had just as much charm as Mario or Link. 
It's just, you know, yeah. they kind of took him in a weird direction and it really kind of sullied it for a while. Yeah. Uh, our next article comes from games.mxdwn.com. Uh, crowdfunding campaign launched on Indiegogo for retro gaming console CD. And their logo is actually kind of cool if you if you look at the article. Uh, CD LLC recently published a crowdfunding campaign via Indiegogo for their new retro gaming system. They launched their uh, for the CD console, which is a game console that plays original discs from PlayStation 1, Neo Geo 3D, TurboGrafx CD, Sega CD, DOS PC, and more. Well, it and the picture actually like you shows play- up. It looks like you can actually play console games on it as well. Because yeah, it's got actually... a picture of a Genesis cartridge. Yeah. Let's see. It was created to give gamers a chance to play their favorite retro titles on new TV sets and all in one place. Some companies offer remastered versions of classic games already, uh, such as Sony's newest Okami HD and Nintendo's port of old Mario arcade games coming to the Switch. But not all old titles are featured in the newer systems libraries. There are still games that remain in their original format and can only be played on their original console. Uh, using CD, gamers who still have their original cartridges, CDs, DVDs, etc. will be able to play them using one system, and graphics will look better with the optical drive technology. Some of CD's other features include streaming from YouTube, streaming audio files, HDMI features to allow CD and DVD burning, and backing up and sharing emulated games this sounds amazing yeah well this is actually worded kind of weird it says streaming from youtube does that mean it's going to have like a youtube app on the machine and you can that's what i assume games to youtube on your own channel or can you just watch youtube videos on the machine yeah the wording of that is is really interesting Uh, It also says here, using original cartridges such as those from the NES will require purchasing a retro adapter that can be hooked up to CD without issue. Hmm. So, in theory, this sounds really cool. Oh, so that must be what this thing is, because the CD itself actually kind of looks like a, almost like a modem, but with a CD drive in it, and then it's got this little uh, offshoot. Um, with this other little thing on the side of it that connects to it that has the Genesis cartridge in it. So I imagine uh, they're going to have different ones for like Genesis, Nintendo, or because I don't see any other slots on the machine, or maybe there's one behind the Genesis cartridge. Uh, It looks like there's one right behind it, yeah. So that'd be cool. I mean, You can even see here on the side, it looks like they have a... um, a plug-in for a Super NES controller. Yeah, I, yep, I do see that. Yep, that's right on the right on the side. side there, and it's got the Genesis controller ports right in the front. But I, don't I, I would see, contribute to this. I don't see, uh, yeah, because this actually might be, it might be one that's like an eight-bit and one that's a sixteen-bit because this actually looks like it might be Super Nintendo that goes in right uh, behind the Genesis slot because if that's a Super Nintendo pl- port controller port i don't actually see uh, a regular nintendo port so there might be an x a separate one that uses an nes and maybe a mega drive or um what do they call the original uh, sega is it the mega drive that master system master system yeah i kept thinking mega drive but the master system uh there might be two different ones could be but But it, it looks very interesting though like i would I would strongly, strongly consider getting one of these. 
Yeah, this actually looks really cool, especially, you know, because of something like this, you know, this completely wipes out the need to have to go get like a PlayStation and TurboGrafx-16 and all that stuff. You can just get like not even worry about it and just get this one machine and you can do it all in one place. And that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but moving on, let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. Uh, starting in September 1st of 1980, 1988, uh, Nintendo revamps Doki Doki Panic and releases it as Super Mario Brothers 2 for the Nintendo Entertainment System in America and the PAL region. This game would be released in Japan as Super Mario USA in 1992. One of my favorite Mario games of all time. I love how different this game is, and it kind of transitioned from what we knew of Super Mario Brothers into the later games like Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World, all those games, because they all kind of took, you know, something from Super Mario Brothers 2 because it was, it was... Like I'd say Super Mario Brothers 3 was almost like a mashup of Super Mario Brothers 2 and Super Mario Brothers 1. I know we've spent numerous episodes of this podcast defending this game yeah, because a I lot of people it. a lot of people don't like that it's different, but I actually do. You know, I never knew until, you know, years and years later that they revamped a Japanese game mm-hmm. just with Mario characters. I always just thought it was, oh, it was Mario Brothers 2. And I, I still associate it with that. You know, I actually, I'll say I actually had a little more fun playing this game than I did the original Mario Brothers oh, yeah. when it came out. Much more fun, I thought, than the first one. Like, don't get me wrong. I still love Super Mario Brothers 1. That's still one of the very first experiences I ever had. I think pretty much everybody had for the original Nintendo. But Super Mario Brothers 2 was in a class all its own, man. It was a completely different game complete different play style and the the graphics were better the music was better it was just a better game all around i don't disagree with you on that uh september 14th 1989 capcom releases ducktales for nes based on the disney animated tv series of the same name still one of the best nes games of all time one of the best games of all time i think yeah yeah i i remember when we uh when we reviewed this with uh, Paris Lily, I just remember, um, you know, not, I have still haven't played the original NES version, but I have played the remastered that's on uh, Xbox 360. And it's, it's a lot of fun. It is. It, it's, it's, it's one of the more challenging platformers, but mm-hmm. I think that's, I think that's a good thing. Oh yeah. If you've never played DuckTales, you, you are doing yourself a disservice by never having played that game, either on the Nintendo or the remastered version. Either one, get your hands on it because it is one of the best platformers ever that has ever been made. Uh, in September of 1999, 19, why do I keep saying 90? 1989 in September, Atari game releases Stun, S-T-U-N, runner in arcades, a 3D polygonal vehicle combat racing game. I don't know about you, but I never heard of this game before in my life. Nope. And there's not I've even never a, heard of this. There's no link either. So <laughs> I'm not going to click anything. Yeah. Um, September of 1994. Now we're in the 90s. Yeah, now we're in the 90s. <laughs> uh, Microprose releases Master of Magic. I've never heard of this. I'm looking at the box cover art. It reminds me of. It, it looks like a book cover. Yeah. It looks like a book I would find in like a, a school library. 
Uh, looks like a point and click adventure to me. A little description about it. It says it's a single player fantasy turn based strategy 4X genre uh, video game created by Simix or Simtex and published for MS DOS in 1994. The player is a wizard attempting to, domin to dominate two linked worlds. From a small settlement, the player manages resources, builds cities and armies, and researches spells, growing an empire, and fighting the other wizards. Oh, this is the kind of game that I love. Uh, I would get so sucked into playing this game, I must never play it. <laughs> City building games just and world building just get me every time, man. <laughs> I have to stay away from yeah. them. Uh, on September 9th of 1994, the Super NES version of Mortal Kombat 2 is released with all blood and fatalities left intact. The first major release on any Nintendo console at that point to have such content. If I'm not mistaken, I think the content was there, but you had to enter a code or you actually had to go into the settings to turn on the blood and gore. Because I think originally it was wasn't the blood green or it was colored clear like sweat or something like that. Yeah, that sounds right. I'm I'm looking it up right now. I remember it being a big deal when they took it out for the first game. Yeah, you know, a lot of people weren't happy about that. Uh, da, 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 da. It doesn't really say anything about it. Uh. SNES version. Uh, oh, here it is. It just uh, the SNES oh, version was developed by Probe Entertainment because of poor sales of the censored SNES version of the original game. Nintendo decided to allow depictions of blood and fatalities this time around because the industry-wide rating system was not expected to be in effect until no November 1994 at the earliest. This version had no formal rating. Instead, a warning label was put on the game's box in order to inform prospective buyers about the game's mature content. Uh, yeah, uh, the Japanese version, however, is censored to a degree with green blood for all fighters, as well as the screen colors turning black and white for all character-specific lethal fatalities. John Tobias favored this version over the Genesis version, stating, I would go so far as to say that the Super NES version is one of the best arcade-to-home conversions I've seen. So I don't know who John Tobias is, but that's... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure either. Article here. Um, but yeah, I think that's might be where I'm getting that from. I think the Japanese version was actually green blood, but I do remember it on one of the Mortal Kombat games, you could actually turn on, you actually had to turn on the red blood in the, like the settings or something like that, because the default was like blue or green or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I do remember there being, you know, censoring of some type. Especially, you know, because yeah. I just remember the huge backlash that happened when the first game. Oh, that game was a uh, big was deal when it came to the home. Con it was a big deal all around. Like when it first came out, when it went to home consoles like that, that game caused a lot of problems for the video game industry back then. Yeah, I, I still remember a few years ago when they did, I think it was Mortal Kombat 9 for uh, PlayStation and Xbox. That yeah. game was a big deal when it came out because it kind of reintroduced mortal Kombat to a new generation. Yeah. And it's, it's still, it's up there on my list of mortal Kombat games. It's, it's a lot of fun. Hmm. Uh, and to close out this month in video game history on September 22nd of 1994 origin systems releases looking glass studios system shock. 
I have never heard of this, but the cover art makes me think of Galactus from the Fantastic Four. Yeah, this is actually <laughs> the game that was the spiritual uh, grandfather to... Uh, God, why can't I think of the name of that? Every time I try to think of the name of that freaking game, it's uh, Bioshock. Yeah, yeah. this is kind of like the spiritual godfather of Bioshock. Yeah, and it says it right here. I guess I could have read that. <laughs> uh, the, the 2000 game Deus Ex also and the 2007 game Bioshock are spiritual successors to these games. It actually says here a remake of the original game is scheduled for release in 2018. Yeah, they've been talking about that for quite a while. Uh, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but it sort of uh, falls into the category of, um, oh, what was that one game? Duke Nukem that was in development mm -hmm. for like 15 years. <laughs> it's kind of the same. Yeah. It falls into the same category. They've been talking about redoing System Shock for years. I personally have never heard of it, but it, it looks interesting. But that moves us into right before our review. But before we do that, Derek, I will tell them, let you tell them about books this week. So for you, the listeners of the Nerd Cave Retro podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Uh, do you have any books that you would like to recommend, sir? Not so much this week. Uh... I have really haven't been listening to any audiobooks this week, but I will say again, if you want to get your money's worth, which is free, I would suggest going to get Stephen King's It or Stephen King's The Stand, which is also an excellent book. Uh, I know for a fact that uh, It, Stephen King's It, is 44 hours long, which is a lot of content. So let me look up The Stand. That one, ooh, for that one, you're getting 47 hours and 52 minutes of content for free if you use our code. And I'll um, I'll give a little love to, um, and this is kind of a tease for my show this week, Pilot X yes. by Tom Merritt is also available on Audible. So if you like sci-fi, definitely look into that one. And you can listen to samples of various books as well just so you can kind of get the feel of it because I know with – you know, some books it's just somebody reading, but others there's you know sound effects, yeah. uh, multiple voices. So it, it's also it's kind of like a radio drama, yeah, as opposed to just a book. Those so. are the ones I like. That's why I like the Star Wars books so much, is because yes. they're almost like a radio play. Yeah, yeah. Some of the Star Wars books are are really really good. Uh, but to do that, just go to audibletrial.com slash nerdcave. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash nerdcave to get your free audiobook download and 30-day free trial. And then this week, we're going to be talking about... Got some really good music in it, man. Like I, I've never played this game before until this week, and I didn't realize how good the music was. Like when I was capturing music for this game, I didn't know what I wanted to use, but this was probably the most jauntiest tune 
uh, in the game and i really want i was like this is the one i'm going to use because the the music in this game is so good and this week we're going to be talking about the game itself is jackal it was also distributed under the title of top gunner and it's an overhead run-and-gun style shoot-em-up video game by Konami, released for the arcades in 1986. The player must maneuver an armed jeep in order to rescue prisoners of war trapped in enemy territory. Uh, and let me see, it came out on the NES in September of 1988. Uh, and like I said, these kind of games, these top-down run-and-gun shooters, were never really kind of my cup of tea. Uh, the only one that I ever really played for the NES back in the day was I did play Gunsmoke, if you've ever heard of that game. It's Gun.Smoke, mm -hmm. uh, which was a really fun game, but it was kind of a... Uh, it wasn't like this. This is a game where like you actually have to move to make the camera move. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you In order yeah. to move around the map. Um, but games like uh, Gunsmoke is like the camera you know, that was constantly moving forward. Uh, almost like 1942, those type of games and like Galaga, things like that, where the game or the, you know, the, the screen is constantly moving and you can't really stay in one place very long. But this type of game, uh, you're actually, you're playing a Jeep uh, and you, and it's actually two players too, which I wish I would have had two players because I'm going to tell you something and I'll admit I did not finish this game this week. The reason I did not finish this game this week is because it is freaking hard as hell <laughs> like, this is one like the first night i played it my thumb hurt so bad <laughs> i couldn't play <laughs> nintendo for like two days because i had a blister uh and i actually think the next time i play it i might actually try to play it with the nes advantage because i did play it again the other night um before uh to try to get as far as i could uh, before uh, talking about it. Uh, but I've played it like three times so far since actually receiving it in the mail uh, by one of our listeners. And I don't have his name right in front of me. I uh, wish I could look it up. I don't remember. Um, but thank you very much. You know who you are. And I will look it up here in just a second because uh, I do want to get his name right. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough on the thumbs, this game. Uh, and let's talk about the plot. Jackal Unit is an elite group of four soldiers that have undergone a harsh training regiment to survive in any environment. The team is composed of Colonel Decker, Lieutenant R Bob, Sergeant Quint, and Corporal Gray. They have been given a mission to drive two armed jeeps into hostile territory in order to rescue and extract POWs. Uh, Jackal can be played up to two players simultaneously. A second player can join in during gameplay anytime, and the two Jeeps are numbered on their hoods to indicate which, can player, which player is controlling it. Um, and the, the one thing I really didn't like too much about this game was you can, with, I really didn't use the machine gun all that much because it, all it does is shoot like straight up north. You can't move the, machine gun around it just shoots in one direction but you do have upgradable um uh secondary weapon which is either you start out which grenade is your kind of your default weapon uh and you can there's certain uh guys you can rescue that come out and they're blinking and they're in certain buildings and they give you power-ups which are like uh you missiles which i didn't dig the missiles all that much i kind of preferred the uh the the 
the hand the grenade because you can kind of whip them around it's kind of weird <laughs> like they're a little better to control and have a little more of a wide range of where they hit but man i got to about level three on this game and i, I couldn't get any further <laughs> just like i can't play anymore like i died so many times it was ridiculous um you know, I, I, I'm, what can I say? Like, I, I'm sorry. I didn't finish the game. I like the game a lot. I can't give it a full review because, you know, I didn't finish the game, but from what I've played, this game would be so fun with two people. Like I can see that about this game. Like I wish I had another person to play this with, but because with one person, it is ridiculously hard <laughs> And, you know, you kind of just go through these levels and you're, uh, you go into these different huts. There's people that are constantly shooting at you that you can, I basically just run over the people that are walking around <laughs> instead of trying to shoot them. Uh, and then there's like tanks that you go through, um, that you have to shoot with your missiles or whatnot. But then you get to a point in the game right before the boss where you drop off the, uh, your hostages. Uh, oh yeah, thank you very much, Travis Martin was his name, the guy that sent us the uh, the game last week. Thank you so much. This game was so fun this week. But you um, you basically you drop off all your your hostages that you've picked up throughout the map, and then you go and you fight the the end boss, which the bosses first level pretty easy, second level starts to get a little rough. Then you get to the third level. And there's only like five levels in this game, five or six. I think there's five. No, six stages. Um, the third level, I <laughs> get in there. Not only do you have all the normal stuff that you have to dodge and shoot and try to stay away from, then they start throwing in landmines and heat-seeking missiles, which I'm like, really? <laughs> it's already hard enough. You're going to throw in heat seeking missiles in the middle of this thing. So yeah, I am going to finish this game eventually, but I do have to toughen up my thumb a little bit because it was in rough shape the other night after playing it for like two, three straight hours. And all I could do was get to the second level, start the third level, get and die about enough times to where I ran out of continues. And I'm like, I think I'm done for the night. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, this game is really freaking hard. And I, I would suggest it because I don't have the nostalgia for it that I normally have for some of these games, but I could see where you would have nostalgia for this game. Cause this is a really well-made game. And I, uh, you know, if you own this game, I could see that you, pr as a kid, this would be a fun game to play like with another person because you get to play yep. at the exact same time. It's not like not like Mario Brothers or anything like that where you, where you play and then you watch sit there and watch the other person play until they lose a life and then you finally get to play and then you yep. you if you were you're like me and you weren't very good as a kid, you would instantly die like 2 seconds later and then you got to sit and wait for your friend who's really good at the game to play for like 20 minutes before he dies. So this is one of those games where the both players gets to play at the same time. And I, I, I could see where there's a lot of fun to be had with that. Um, 
I did actually watch a video uh, because I was curious about the final couple of stages of the game and what I was heading into. And yeah, I'm. There's no way I don't think I can finish this game. I'm not good enough. I never was good enough at these games. I love these games, but I never finished very many of them because look, we love these games because they're nostalgic. But these games were freaking hard, man. They were hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, did you ever play uh, this game at all? No, I'd actually never heard of it until uh, you know until Travis sent it to you and you let me know that you got it. Um, I've looked at some screen caps for it, and I'll say for the the thing that pops out to me the most is like the it very much looks like a classic NES game. Yeah, but I love the color of, of the game. Like everything's really bright mm-hmm. and colorful, which is kind of crazy because it's it's an eight bit game. Yeah. You'd think, you know, it wouldn't look as bright as it does, especially with the context of it. Well, it's um, got great I, graphics to it. I'm not, you know, that's one of the things I noticed about it right away is there's a lot of detail to everything and everything's mm-hmm. really easy to see I mean, I've played a lot of games where stuff's really hard to see, you know, because of the limitations of the graphics, but not this game. Like even as small as some of the people are on screen that are shooting at you, it's still relatively easy to see them. Yeah, I'm looking at a, a screen cap now of what looks like a, a desert of some type, and you mm. you have you know your grains of sand, you've got some trees with leaves th- that are pretty detailed, and various other things in it. it. It it looks like a good game, and I'll actually say um, what we should do maybe sometime during the holidays, we should do like a special Nerd Cave Retro Let's Play. I'd love to of do this that. game. We should. Yeah, I think it would be really fun for us to do that. I think we could get that yeah, together over the Christmas holidays. Yeah, because I think we both have like you know two weeks off of work yeah. uh, during during Christmas break. So I, I we could. I, I'd take a trip over to to Mississippi. Ah, sweet. I, I, well, let's go ahead and book that, and we'll make that happen. We'll put out a let's play of us playing yeah. Jackal for the NES. Um, Let me read about the NES version here. Jackal was released for the Nintendo Entertainment System on September 1988 in North America. Despite the fact that the arcade game was distributed in the U.S. under the title of Top (laughs) Top Gunner, Konami decided to release the NES version under a different title to avoid confusion with their old video game adaptation of Top Gun. I didn't even think about that until I read this article. I didn't either. Uh, it says two Jeeps are, are now colored differently due to hardware's graphical limitations. And that's another thing I noticed. Uh, I think probably on the arcade version, there's actually numbers on the Jeep. But I think on the NES version, uh, I didn't get to play two players. So I don't really know. But I, I know that probably the Jeeps were just uh, different shades of green. Uh, it says player one's Jeep retains the standard green coloring while player two controls a brown Jeep. Um The player has much more space to maneuver due to the change from vertical orientation to a horizontal one. Uh, The game is now divided into six stages instead of taking place on one long level. Each stage features a different boss awaiting at the end, which includes enemies not seen in the arcade version, such as a missile-spitting statues. Now, that was in stage two, uh, which I barely got past those. The missile-spitting statues, they looked... Way too much like the Medusa heads 
and Castlevania, and it angered me. As soon as I saw them, I was like, these things are going to be a bitch to get by. Because <laughs> just I knew it. I knew as soon as I saw them. Uh, it says three hidden power-up icons have been added. A green star that adds an extra Jeep to the player's stock. A red star that kills an on kills all on-screen enemies, and a flashing star that upgrades the missile launcher to its highest level. These can only be found by launching grenades or missiles in certain hiding spots. I wish I'd have known that because I didn't know that at all. That would have helped a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Sounds know if like this it. game used the Konami code or not. It that I didn't try to use it. Um, but I can try to use it on here and see if it does anything, but it doesn't say anything under the NES port uh, about it being able to use the Konami code. Hmm, interesting. I, don't, I, I do want to look up some some video of this game because I've looked at screen caps, but not I haven't seen this game in action. Yeah, there's lots but of it, playthroughs. But it does, it does sound like it would be fun. Yeah, there's a lot of playthroughs on YouTube. So if you're interested in, in watching some people play this game, it's a really good game. So if you want to do that, just go to YouTube. Just type in Jackal NES playthrough, and I guarantee you there's probably going to be like 50 videos pop up. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out sometime this week. But yeah, there's not really much as far as story in the game like you know i told you the plot of the game but this isn't the type of game like you know ninja gaiden or anything like that where there's like cut scenes or anything like that it's just kind of like you go through each level yeah you, know, you rescue as many of the pow's as you can you defeat the boss and then you move on to the next level and you basically do the same thing over and over again for six levels uh i would love to be able to get to the sixth level and tell you about it but I did not get that far. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, this, we'll do it. We'll do it for the let's play. Yeah, we'll do it and see how far we can get. And um, just get ready. You might want to start doing some training now. Get your thumb uh, nice and calloused up because it will be hurting for days afterwards. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that that's pretty much all I have to say about it on a scale of one to 10. I mean, it's a great Nintendo game. I would give it a high recommendation, but I mean, it might not be people's cup of tea. Like if you like, if you're into RPGs or, you know, people are into different things. Some people like racing games, some people like, you know, side scrollers, platformers, but just as an overall fun NES game, I'm going to give it an eight out of 10. And they're wow. not, they're not that expensive either. Like I've seen this game at the local uh, retro shop for like maybe five, six bucks, like a good copy wow. of it because, you know, these aren't very rare by any stretch of the imagination. So you can pick up a copy of this for really cheap if you have a Nintendo or an, you know, a, a retro console and you're interested and you like these type of games, I, I would give it a high recommendation. I'd say go pick up a copy of it right now. That's awesome. That that's that's pretty high praise. Yeah, for this type of game. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, it's it's because it's good for what it is. You know, I I mean, I'm not if it comes down to like would I rather play this or Legend of Zelda? You know, of course I'm going to pick Legend of Zelda because you know, that's my type of game or Metroid. That that's my type of game, but as far as just a, a regular sit down and play fun factor, this is a really fun game. 
So I, I mean, that's, that's what I'm it. basing it on. Because like I said, these aren't really my cup of tea. Like I did play, I think, 1942 for the NES when I was a kid. And I did play Gunsmoke. But other than that, the kind of top-down, run-and-gun, shoot-em-up games, they weren't really my thing. Yeah. But it's a good game, I didn't game, play though. too many of those either. Yeah, it's a great game. I mean, I highly recommend it, especially if you're into that type of thing. This is right up your alley. Well, I definitely look forward to to doing the let's play for it. This, you know, because it, it's. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say this will make a great let's play. I think we should definitely talk about doing that over the Christmas holidays. I think people would enjoy that. Oh, absolutely. But uh, that's but, all uh, I have for it. Um, if you've got anything else you want to throw in about it, uh no, just thanks again. Uh, you know, to Travis for uh for sending that over. You know, it's, it's, it was cool to to get something like that from oh, yeah. somebody who who listens to the show. And I, I've I've always said this about podcasting from day one: if it makes a difference to one person, then it's worth it. Oh, absolutely! It's just nice to know that there are people listening and people get. You know, they like listening to it. It helps them through their day and they get enjoyment out of it. It it makes me feel good. So um, definitely, you know, let us know what you think. Like you can, you know, write us handwritten letters or you can even email us or just talk to us on social media. We'll always get back to you and um, just let us know what you think about the show. And on that note, also, uh, make sure you go to iTunes or wherever you get your, your show from and leave us a review. Uh, nobody left us a review this week on iTunes, I don't think. I'm just checking to make sure. Uh, but yeah, that'll help us get up in the rankings and get us in uh, you know, front of more people. So the more reviews we have, the better. So all you got to do is just go in there and give us a rate, whether wherever you listen to us from, like iTunes or wherever. Please just leave us a short little um review and that will help us out tremendously absolutely but on that note is there anything else you wanted to uh, actually oh yeah we need to plug their show that's coming up this week so tell them about that yes yeah, so uh be sure this thursday to check out uh the newest episode of the Derek diamond experience one of my favorite episodes that <laughs> we've done that was uh, it's myself you and a uh, fellow podcaster tom Merritt do a roundtable about podcasting. So if you're just a podcasting fan in general or you are you might be interested in starting one yourself, uh, definitely check it out. It'll be out uh, this Thursday on all podcasting platforms. Or if you want to follow me on social media, I post the episodes you know, on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, just search for at Podcast. And uh, that was a really fun episode to do. I enjoyed that a lot. I uh, can't wait yeah. to actually go back and listen to it. Uh, for this week for the Pop Culture Palette, we had Travis Mills, who uh, is the head of Running Wild Films, and he directed the movie Blood Country, which is about to make its theater run uh, starting early in October, I think first week of October or so. Uh, and then he's about to work on another film that is scheduled to start filming in just a couple of weeks. So go over there to at PCP Show or uh, facebook.com slash palette, and you can pick up that episode and let us know what you think, because we had fun making it. Actually, that was a hard episode to make because Skype was being a bastard that night, and I... As it likes to be. Oh, man, that was a rough night. 
and then we we had to restart the episode at one point and then we try we had to do our extra episode for the patreon people that night i was mm-hmm. so exhausted by the end of everything i was just like i why do i do this to myself <laughs> i almost quit podcasting at that point because i hated skype so much it's even though we're using it right now i can i can tell you from experience it's a terrible software yeah, it's awful i hate it i wish there was yeah there has to be something better i mean we can't microsoft or google whoever owns skype now please do something with it that's our plea right now please help out podcasters because we need a better version of skype something better we just just do put one guy on it that or the the one guy you have working on it right now the one guy that's down in the basement in the corner that you won't let go to lunch like just give that dude like one more guy down there to help him update skype and make it better <laughs> that's all he needs like and give the guy a sandwich poor guy he's been down yeah. in the microsoft basement or google basement for like six months now hasn't seen the light of day and he's had like you know three cups of soup in the past six months so please just get throw the guy a bone and uh give him some help down there to uh update skype he probably has to Google the sun to see what it looks like. Yeah. That's how long he's been down there. <laughs> uh, but on that note, let's go ahead and get out of here. What do you say? Let's do it. Music here. Uh, if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro. Uh, you can follow us individually on Twitter at jfantastic and at Derek underscore diamond. And we're on facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. So Derek, tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.